Good morning, North Place. So good to be here with you. And I, I don't know, if Shane, if you've noticed this, but every time he introduces me, he tries to work in the fact that I'm older than him. Have you noticed that? Just about every single time he works that one in. But I love Pastor Brian. Uh, man, he's, he's a man of God. He's a great leader. He's a great preacher. He's a great pastor. I know that you love him too. Come on, would you just honor your leadership right now? Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord for Pastor Brian and Haley and the church. Matter of fact, you guys are just part of an amazing church. Every time I come, I'm just so blessed and personally refreshed uh, just by what God is doing here at this place. It continues to grow numerically, and it's fun to hear about all of the people jumping into growth track, finding their place to serve, becoming a part of just the, 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 the church ministry that happens here week in and week out, and then throughout the week because they're finding a place to serve, and uh, that's always fun to see, and then to hear about how God's using you to impact people all over the world. As a matter of fact, why don't you just tell the friend next to you right now, you're a part of a great church. Go ahead and tell them that. You can tell the other person too, say, hey, you're a part of the family too. You barely made it in, but you're in. You're a part of a great church. Glad that you're a part of it. If you've been apart for a little while, you know that since Christmas, there's been this emphasis on the incarnation, uh, which makes sense around Christmas time. I mean, it's the story of Christmas, right? It's, it's God becoming flesh. It's God coming through the Son, Jesus Christ, to this world. And we're thankful that he did because God left heaven to come to earth so that when we leave earth, we're going to heaven. Anybody excited about going to heaven? Come on, anybody looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that the incarnation story doesn't just stop there, though. It's not just about him coming to earth so that we could go to heaven, but, but really he came to show us, Jesus came to show us what it looks like to live a life in the flesh that is moved by the Spirit. Uh, what it looks like just to live a day in and day out life is it's not just a Christmas story, it's my everyday story. And the word that we're using is that God is here. Somebody say here. God is here. So what God's wanting us to do is the way we live our lives is to show the people around us that God is alive. There is a God. He is at work. He does care. As a matter of fact, when you look at my life, you will see God. That's what, what it means to live incarnationally, which is a little bit intimidating, right? I mean, wouldn't you say that's a little bit I mean, that's a little bit overwhelming to think that God wants you to live in such a way that where people look at your life, they don't see you, but they see him. Isn't that just a little bit of a daunting task? I mean, for me, I just can't imagine walking up and being like, hey, you want to see God? Get a look at this, all right? I mean, it just seems a little weird, like, except for what I know is he's wanting me to live for him and to be all about him. And the fact that he's alive and at work in me, it should be expressed and, and seen through the way uh, I lead my marriage. The way I care for my wife, the way I parent my children, uh, the way we as a family go through trials, uh, the way we, we handle the sunny days, the rainy days, the good times, the bad times. He's saying, listen, Jesus came to model for us what it means, what it looks like to live incarnationally. And so as we've been looking at this uh, uh, last week, Pastor Brian talked even about this thought of incarnational community, and it's the thought on small groups. And I'm going to pick up where he left off, and, and in order to do so, I'd like to turn your attention towards the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, as we're going to be looking at what happened when God started his church. This is the launch of the church, if you will. 
And whenever you come to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, and that's where we'll start. We're going to look all the way through verse uh, 47, but I want to start in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves. Somebody say devoted. Come on, shout devoted. They devoted themselves. They were committed, man. They were all in. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll just pause for just a moment there. Uh, these people were committed to learning from spiritual leadership about the things of God. Uh, similarly to those who would come on a weekend here at North Place, you would come because you love listening to Pastor Brian preach. The guy can just flat out preach. I love listening to him preach. I mean, it's just fun to hear him break down the Word of God. Matter of fact, when he was doing announcements, he still sounded like a preacher, didn't he? He's like, I've got three points right here. I'm just doing announcements. But let me, I mean, he can just preach. He's even got a preacher's voice. You ever notice that too? He talked that way in college, just so you know. Same way. We all, that man's born to be a preacher. He just sounds like a preacher. But no wonder that thousands would come on a weekend and say, we're devoted to listening to the teaching of God's Word. We're devoted to listening. And we're not alone. But on any given weekend in the United States of America, over 120 million people gather together for worship services. Worldwide, over 2 billion people are a part of a church family just across the globe. And it really makes you ask the question, why are people so committed to this? Well, you can say, well, it's out of duty or obligation or it's the way they were raised. But maybe to go once or twice or maybe to go for a little while. But I would say that the reason we're gathered here is because we recognize that when we come into God's house, gathered with God's people, listening to God's word being taught, that we can't help but be changed. How many of you would say, when you come into this place one way, you leave out another way because you've been under the preaching of God's word? Anybody? just testify to that today it's true and it happens so it makes us say man a little bit of that was good a lot of that would be a lot of good come on let's go back for some more but a lot of people stop right there but scripture doesn't it says in the early church they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and somebody say and and to fellowship they devoted themselves to this to the breaking of bread and to prayer says that everyone was filled with awe that many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, somebody say all the believers. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at what says happens. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is incarnational community. This is talking about moving beyond just coming for a gathering where we're hearing the teaching of the word, but now this is moving beyond just a building or a location. How many of you understand that the church is not a building? How many of you understand church is not an event? Tell your neighbor, you are the church. Go ahead, tell them that. You are the church. We are the church. And as the church, we're the family of God. We're one big happy family. You are seated next to family right now. Get a good look at them. Come on, that's your brother, that's your sister. Good look at them. That's okay, they're staring at you. You can look back at them. Go ahead and just look at them. That's family. Flawed, broken people, not a perfect family. But we're family. 
And God is saying, when you have incarnational community, there is a commitment to family that moves beyond just getting together for a weekend service. But this thing moves beyond the walls of the church. We're moving into our homes. This moves from just being something that we receive in in, in a church service sermon setting. And it gets fleshed out in our daily lives. He says, when you're doing that, people are going to be added To the church, people are going to say, I see Jesus in you. There's something about your life that's not normal. It's not natural, and they're drawn toward it. And those who are looking for hope, find hope in Jesus Christ because they see it through his family living it out. So it makes me wonder, man, if so many people can get all jazzed and excited about going to church, why is it that so many people who go to church on the weekends aren't as apt to jump into small groups? Because that's the reality. And I know that... There may be a number of reasons, different reasons. Uh, I know that maybe even for the extroverts in here, come on, where are the extroverts? Where are the extroverts? Where are the extroverts? See, they're the ones who don't just wave or just raise their hand. They wave, they smile, you know, maybe two hands, maybe a foot. They just get extroverts. You might be seated to an extrovert. Then there are introverts. You don't have to raise your hand. Wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable. Wouldn't want to to stretch. Introverts, I'm an introvert. We're a little more on the quiet side. And so I look at it and go, man, extroverts are just like small groups. I love small groups. Sign me up. Sign me up for one, two, three, four, five. More friends, the better. They love it. Introverts, maybe not so much. But I think it moves beyond just personalities. I think, man, there's more to it why we're a little apprehensive to jump into small groups. And I thought about this. I prayed about this for real. Like, I'm like, what's the holdup? What's the hangup? What holds us back? Because Pastor Brian, he broke it down last week. I mean, like he always does, as is his custom, he takes scripture and just it's presented so powerfully. And you're like, there it is right there. That's God's plan that we live in incarnational community. Like, yes and amen. But it's like, man, when we get into that, it seems like that there are a lot of people go, that's good. That is so, amen, that's true. And all y'all need that. Y'all need small groups. You people go and do that. But like for me, it's just different. Like, why is that? And I, I've, I've landed on why I'm convinced A lot of people don't want to go to small groups. It's because small groups can just get weird. Let's just be honest for just a minute, all right? Come on, I know it doesn't sound super spiritual, but let's just be honest for just a minute. Show of hands, how many of you have ever been in a small group before and it got awkward? Come on, raise your hand all over the room. This is a bit of therapy right now. It's the reason, we're raising our hands. It's the reason why some of us never went back. You know, it's just it got weird. It's not always even church. It might be a school small group. You know, we'll circle up and go around and, you know, everybody go around and say the animal you want to be. If you could be, I'm like, bro, I don't want to be an animal. All right? I don't want to be an animal. I don't, I don't want, I'm Scotty. I don't want to be an animal. Sometimes it's like at a work conference or something like, all right, no, we're going to get in small groups around the tables. And some of you are like, ah, oh, man, it's where it gets weird. It gets awkward. You got the loud, obnoxious personality that dominates. You got the obnoxious laugh, laughs at everything. It's not even funny. And they're laughing. You know, you start thinking about stuff like that, right? Is it just me or do y'all think about stuff like this? Is this true? Sometimes it is a spiritual setting. Sometimes it is a Bible study. You ever been to one of those? It's like, hey, let's just circle up. The five of us here, let's just circle up. Yeah, this is lovely. And I thought it would be great if we just opened by singing the doxology here together. It would be great. We don't have any instruments, and nobody really remembers all the words, but let's just do this. And, Bob, this is your first time. Why don't you just lead us out in the doxology right now? It's just awkward. It's weird. 
You know, you get together, hey, we, we just want to bond. We just want to be close. This is a safe place, a little holy huddle. You know, this is kind of a place where we can share with one another. Don't want anybody to hold back. And I thought it would be great. Let's just go around the circle and, and share the, the sin you're most ashamed of in your life. Let's just, let's just go, Betty, why don't you go ahead and start us off? They're just like, no, no. Oh, and if I ever get out of here, I'm never coming back to a small group. So Brian's like, the word says, the word says, like, yes, yes, y'all go do that. Yeah, I'm not going. But we can't, we can't just stop there because I was thinking, like, what is it about it? Why are small groups at times seen as, like, weird or awkward? And it's because it's not the small group. It's people. People are weird. Is what happens is that when people show up, it just got weird. So I was thinking about that because I'm an introvert. And so it's hard for me. It's easier for me. And this may be hard for you to imagine. I'm just speaking transparently. I'm being honest. It's more comfortable for me to be in front of a lot of people and speak. Like I'm more comfortable. Some of you are like, oh, I'd die if I had to go up there and do that. I'm comfortable with this. But sit me down in a circle with like four or five people and I'm like, hi, hi, hi. And I, I just get nervous. Why, why? I don't know, introverted, and people just weird. And I started thinking, like, why does it seem like people are so weird? And God started showing me something. He's like, guess what? Your understanding, your definition of weird is what's weird. Because here's my definition of weird, right? Or let me give you my definition of normal. Here's normal. Me. I'm normal. The rest of y'all are weird. Like, that's how I define normal. And that's how most of us live our lives from that vantage point of I'm normal, And then there's everybody else. And if I show up with a group of people, well, that is my mindset, their unusual personality or their difference or what I'm classifying as weirdness, it's just hard for me. It's uncomfortable for me. So small groups can be uncomfortable. They can be inconvenient. And so I've had to learn that, you know what, Scotty, life is not all about you, and you are not the definition of normal. As a matter of fact, I can only be the me that God's created me to be when I realize how desperately I need you, and you make me a better me when we get together. So in other words, the person who's been getting on your nerves seated next to you or behind you who was singing off key a few minutes ago, and they're really loud in your ear, you need those people. We all need each other. God is the one who said, my body will be a body. My family will be a family of diversity. Good thing that God didn't make everybody like me. Now, quietly, silently alone, we may say, no, that'd be a pretty cool world. No, it wouldn't. It really wouldn't. The family of God comes together and through incarnational community and living out what it means to be a part of the family of God, we give the world a more accurate picture of who God is and what he's really like. So God, how can I live with more intentionality on being a part of incarnational community in a way that honors you and enables me 
to be the light to the world that you've called me to be. Well, when you look through this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, I believe that there's a lot going on here in verses 42 through 47, but there are three simple words that I'm going to pull out just from some meaning or understanding of this text that I would call them benefits or why I'm glad that I'm committed to small groups even though I've had to work through personality or I've had to work through it not being comfortable at times or convenient at times to where I say I'm going to live not by my comfort but by my convictions and by my values and here are three things that remind me of the benefit of why that was a good call number one would be this perspective I believe that small groups incarnational community will give me perspective Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 43 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer verse 43 says as a result everyone somebody say everyone everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles let me say it this way where they were and who they were with shaped what they saw where they were who they were with shaped how they viewed life what they were exposed to what challenged their thinking what stirred their faith all of us are living lives that are being shaped and influenced in one way or the other by those who are closest to us there are a lot of voices in this world that are trying to vie for my attention There are a lot of voices that are trying to shape my perspective. That's why I've got to learn to be careful about the voices that I allow in my life. Who are the closest voices in your life? They're shaping your perspective. They're shaping your perspective of marriage. They're shaping your perspective on the way you're going to respect your wife or disrespect your wife. They're shaping your perspective on parenting. They're shaping your perspective of God. They're shaping your perspective for how much of a pursuit or a hunger of God by by way of their values and what they're sharing. All of that is going to influence your life. But I've I've learned this. I not only need to guard myself from others' voices and, and how that can affect my perspective, I've got to protect myself from living in my own little world and my perspective being limited just to what I can see on my own. See, the devil loves to isolate us. He loves to get us, like, pulled away from the pack, So that he can pick us off. If he can get me separated from godly perspective, that's going, Scotty, you might want to think about that. Scotty, here's another way of looking at that. Scotty, the word of God says, if he can get me on my own, left to my own thoughts, he knows that he can get me. He knows that. I need people who can remind me of why I'm committed to my convictions rather than my comfort and my convenience. I need that. My little boy, Jordan, he's four years old. He's a stud. I call him the champ. And one day, he came in to exercise with me. And I was doing my exercises, and he came in. He started imitating. He started doing everything that I was doing. Whatever I was doing, he started doing. And at one point, a few minutes into it, I think he was like stretching like this or something. He just looks up at me, four years old. He looks up, and he says, remind me again why we're doing this. And I thought a lot of us are doing stuff, and we're starting to lose focus. Don't even know why we're doing it. And if the enemy can get us to second-guessing it, 
and then even to devalue it. I need people who remind me of who God is in my life, of what God has for my life, and there's no better place than incarnational community where there are voices of hope, voices of encouragement, voices of support that are reminding you of God's faithfulness and reminding you to go deeper into God's word. Let me give you a second thought, and it's this. Not only does it give us perspective, but number two, it gives us encouragement. Encouragement. Back to verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And it says all the believers, somebody say all the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They had a common focus. They had a shared purpose. They had mutual edification. They built each other up. Remember last week when Pastor Brian shared all of the one another's? We're supposed to encourage one another, serve one another, love one another, build each other up, bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to be there for one another, to lift one another. Why? Because that's the way God designed for this to be. We're all created to be relational beings. We need each other. I need you. And you need me. And God created us like that to where we serve one another, we encourage one another, we build each other up. Why? Because we're made in his image and he is a relational God, is he not? He's created us to be relational. That's why it's so much fun when you're sharing life with people that you, you care about. Come on, just think about how silly it is that we want to stay connected relationally. You ever heard anybody say, man, this really stinks. Smell this. And they want you to smell it. Come on, have you ever had that happen before? Like, well, you just said it stinks. I don't want to smell it. You're like, no, I want us to share a moment. That's what they're like. Oh, this is odd. You ever been watching a game? And it's so much more fun when you're with your friends. You're all screaming. You're shouting at the television. And some great play will happen. And you'll turn. And you'll look at somebody and go, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? And I've wanted to be like, no, I was staring at the TV and missed it. Tell me, what happened? I missed it. I said, of course I saw it. I'm watching the same game. You're, what they're really meaning is, let's share this moment. Let's share this moment. That's what they're meaning. You watch, watch it by yourself. Some great play happens. Yes, yes, high five. Hey, all right. You know, it's not nearly as fun. We want to share life. We're relational people. We need one another. God created us to be like that because it's always about a who. Who is in your life? Who's speaking into your life? Who are you encouraging? Who are you helping? Who are you serving? When God goes to work in your life, he will almost always use a who to minister to you. If God's going to encourage you, typically does that through a who. If God's going to challenge you, he'll typically do that through a who. If God's going to provide for you, he'll typically provide through a who. You're like, not for me. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. It's nobody else. Listen, if you ever get a check that's signed at the bottom, Jehovah Jireh, don't try and cash that check. You slide that on, they're going to call for people who are going to take you away for a really long time. Don't try and... Well, God wants to bless you, he'll use the who. Why? Because he wants us to grow with one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another. Whenever you're a part of incarnational community, there's that encouragement to keep going, to not give up. I wonder who's going to still be in the game 
a year from now because God used you, Jesus with skin on, to encourage them. Somebody who didn't give up on their marriage because God used you to encourage them to not give up. Someone who's still walking with God five years from now, ten years from now because God sent you to be an encourager. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Be an encourager. Let me give you this third and this final word. And I'm going to ask Jason if he'd go ahead and come and just play the keyboard behind me because it, it just sounds so spiritual whenever you do that. And that dude's anointed. How many of you appreciate the ministry of Jason? Seriously, gifted and anointed. I'll give you this third and this final word. It's not only perspective and encouragement, but what else happens in incarnational community? Care. Care happens. Acts 2, 42 through 45, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with all the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And it says that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were in it together. It wasn't just encouragement in the sense of somebody needed something. They said, hang in there, brother. Lord be with you. God's got you. No. They stepped in and said, hey, God's here. And he sent me. I want you to see Jesus in me. God sent to who? To care, to serve, to support, to invest, to sacrifice so that. Some of you already know that we have six children, five little girls, one little boy. A lot of, lot of reasons why I'm excited about heaven. That's one of them right there. Just can't wait. Looking forward. Just a little brain break for all of eternity. I love my kiddos. But listen, when my wife gets sick, when mama goes down, the train comes to a screeching halt. And they're looking at me like, what are we going to eat? And I'm like, well, you're four? Go figure it out, man. Is there a refrigerator in there? Can I tell you when somebody from the small group shows up and says, hey, I know it's not a big deal, but we brought you dinner. I'm like, listen, let me tell you, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. The Lord bless you. It's a big deal. They care. The church cares. The leadership cares. There's no doubt about it. You're a part of a blessed church with pastoral leadership that cares. But what I know from serving on staff at churches is that I, as a pastor, I cannot care for thousands of people in the way that they need care because a lot of times, as just someone who's a part of a small group, the care that I need, I need somebody close enough to look at me in the eyes and know when I need something before I even ask for it. Somebody who can walk with me on a journey. Somebody who's close enough to me to see that I need a perspective shift. Pastoral staff, they have limited ability what they can do. But man, when you're in an incarnational community, you have friends who are close enough. Some of you would say, well, I got a small group. It's my wife and my three kids. We're a small group. Well, 
that's a, that's a great place to start. But you need somebody who's far enough outside removed from that circle to speak into that circle. And say, bro, the way you're treating your wife is not cool. Dude, here's some thoughts on parenting. Let's share. Let's encourage one another. You find stuff like that happening. Your perspective, your, your perspective will shift. You hear somebody say some idea or they share it. You're like, man, I've never thought about that. That's so cool. Tell me more about what you guys did with that. How did you, how did you handle that? It's iron sharpening iron. I uh, recently, my family and I, we moved to Oklahoma City. And as we moved now, we're, we're a part of a church there. Uh, I had to, the introvert, had to get involved in a new small group. And I was just like, oh, seriously, Jesus, seriously. But I was like, no, this is important. I'm going to do it. So I go uh, first night of the small group just a couple of weeks ago. And as we're there, the guy who's facilitating was talking about how we all go through uh, storms in life and how it's difficult, but how God will send people at times in just the right time to just do just the right thing to bless us. And said, he just said, I wonder if anybody just has a story of where God sent someone to help you in a time of need. And so one dude uh, starts all like, yeah, I'll go. So he just started sharing, right? Like, like opened up the heart and just went there like deep. Like, I'm like, man, I wouldn't have gone that deep. I wouldn't have, you, you, TMI, man, way too much information right there. You didn't have to tell me half of that. Just say we struggled, all right? That's all I needed. But anyway, he went deep. And as he did, he's like, and as we're going through that, it was so hard. He's like, God sent, and he pointed out a dude in the circle. Another guy, he's like, God sent him. And I was like, man, how cool is that? He's sharing about one of the biggest struggles in his life and about how God sent, and, and the friend that he sent is a part of this smile. That's really cool. And then the next person, it was his turn to go, and he talked about losing his son. How his son passed away and how this, the grief was overwhelming. But he pointed to another dude in the circle. But you know what? God sent him, and just through that time, and as you walk with me through that, you'll never know the difference. I was like, man. That's so stinking cool. Two guys. And then the third guy starts sharing a story, and he's like, and then God sent you. And he pointed, I was like, man, wait a minute. I think they're setting this up trying to prove to me that small groups are cool or something. I think that they're trying to be like, let's show the new guy this is important and it has value, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, you point at me, I'll point at you. I thought that that's what they were doing. But they weren't. It was just real. Incarnational community. It was happening before my very eyes as I watched guys saying, you cared for me. You cared for me. We need that. You need that. And if the devil has lied to you so much to where you think that you can look at your life and go, other people need that. God, I get it. That's your word. That's your plan. And on most things, you got it figured out. But on this one, I'm the exception. Now we are telling the maker how we're wired. I'm wired differently, Lord. He's like, yeah, I know. I wired you. I put you together. What we're really saying is, Lord, it's uncomfortable. It's not convenient. God's looking for a people who believe so in the incarnation to where it's not merely a Christmas story, but who can live it out to where even when turbulence in life hits, people will see Jesus in us. Because of the way we care for and encourage and love and serve one another. And I'm encouraging you, don't tiptoe into this thing, jump in. I get it, some of the extroverts or people who are more prone, you're like, man, I'm already part of 12 groups, I lead 18, you know, and I, you know, that's awesome. Then there are others of you, you've been hearing it, you've been going, yeah, all y'all need that. And I'm saying today, no, we, including you, we all need this. So move past comfort, 
move past convenience and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you that I'm going to do the Bible thing. And if I do your thing, you're going to work in my life in ways that would not have happened otherwise. Watch and see if yet again God does not bless you supernaturally, care for you, build your faith, encourage you, draw you closer to him because you chose to jump in and do what he's called you to do. So I'm going to pray over you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In just a moment, Pastor Shane's going to come to close, and he's going to give you specific steps for those of you who'd like to sign up for a small group. But I just want to pray over you today. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've yet to commit your life to Christ, Pastor Shane can address that as well. But I just want you to know you don't have to leave this place without him. Today can be the day that you start a relationship with God that's personal, that can change you from the inside out. Don't miss that chance. God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord, that they're more than friends. They're brothers and sisters. And I pray that all of us, Lord, as we follow your plan, as we follow your word for our lives, that there's hope, that there's going to be a blessing that's beyond natural on all that we do and all that we are. I pray that that would be the case for this church family. In Jesus' name. Amen.